0: You can pray with me. Father, we just thank you so much that we can be here this morning to worship with one another um, and to worship you. Uh, God, we uh, we ask that you be with Chris. We know you've given him the words to speak uh, during this, this change campaign, God. And uh, we just ask that you be with us. Uh, change our hearts. God, we open ourselves to what you have to say to us this morning. So please do a work in our hearts and change our hearts this morning. So we just want to give all praise and honor to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as a part of our uh, vision of JAR 2.0, our long-term goal is to have a healing center uh, that would provide uh, free health care for folks. We're not there yet, but today we're taking a big step towards that in having a health fair. Um, So after the celebration, it takes about 10 minutes, I did it earlier, and they'll take your blood pressure... And your height and your weight, unless you don't want your weight, and then just tell them, Chris said, I didn't have to do my weight, okay? Uh, And they'll do your BMI, and then there'll be an actual uh, physician uh, who will give you some thoughts uh, and kind of encourage you that way, but uh, just a way that we're trying to help. So after this, uh, it's in the second uh, or the first hallway to your left, and the second door there on the left, uh, you can get connected. Well, what I want to talk to you about this morning is the exact opposite of probably what you've been taught your entire life. God promises that if you do this thing that I'm going to talk about, and you do it His way, that you will never struggle with loneliness again. And you'll be able to overcome things in your life, like fatigue, and fear, and failure, and frustration. That if you you do what he talks about, that you'll be able to handle when discouragement comes, or depression comes, and you'll be able to turn that around to make it filled with hope. And what I want to talk about this morning is the concept of community. Now, Paul, a guy who wrote over half of the New Testament, writes a letter to a church in Rome, and we get the letter called Romans. And he was one of Jesus' closest followers, and he knew about the concept of community more than almost anyone who ever walked planet Earth. Now, the real interesting thing about Paul is that at one time, he hated Christians. He despised them. In fact, he actually helped to kill some Christians. I bet you know some Christians you'd like to kill, right? I mean, the way that they drive on these snowy roads, right? I mean, did anyone see the traffic light at Tillotson and Bethel right near the stadium? Like, what do you have to be doing to take out an entire traffic light, you know? But... Sometimes we, we struggle with this concept of community. Well, Paul comes to Christ finally. He stops hating and killing Christians. He becomes one. He gives up his whole life for the cause of Christ. And he writes to the Romans, and this is what he says. And let's uh, read this out loud together. Let's read this out loud together. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. We need each other. What Paul is saying is that community is not optional. Now, you may be sitting there right now and you feel like, I don't need any community in my life. In fact, you might say, hey, I'm self-sufficient. I am a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I got it under control. But the truth is, is that, if you want to know the purpose of your life, part of that is that you buy into this concept of community. If you're going to be all that God wants you to be, you have to do it together with people. You see, part of our whole change series, has the first few weeks have been about getting healthy physically, uh, fitness-wise, food-wise, your faith-wise. And Today what we want to talk about is how do you get healthy relationships? How do you get healthy friendships? Because it affects your overall health. We need each other. We belong to one another in the body of Christ, the church. So this morning what I want to talk about are four reasons why God says you need other people in your life. The first one is this. I need other people in my life to walk with me need other people in my life to walk with me. Now, what does that mean? It means I need you and you need me if we're going to grow spiritually. Paul writes another letter to a group in Colossae, the Colossians, and he says this, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Did you realize that When the Bible describes the spiritual life, it often describes it as being a walk, that it's a journey. None of us have arrived, none of us have it all together, we have not been perfected, we are continuing on a walk. And throughout scripture it'll say uh, things like, walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom, walk in obedience, walk in the spirit, walk as Jesus walked. Now, one of the key ways that God tells us to walk is this way. That you were never meant to walk alone. You were never meant in your life to walk alone. And this has nothing to do with whether you're single or married. We have dozens of single folks in the jar who have deep, meaningful, intimate Relationships and community with other people. And on the flip side, we have some married couples in our church who are desperately lonely. Very lonely, even though they're married. Because marriage doesn't solve this issue, folks. Community does. Now, some of you might say, well, what's wrong with me walking alone? I like to walk alone, I prefer to walk alone, I can go at my own pace. I can do what I want, my own speed. I don't have to wait for anybody. Bunch, what is the problem with me walking alone? Well, you may not like it, but you'll never know your purpose in life unless you walk with other people. You may know part of your life, but you'll never know your purpose of life unless you walk with other Christians. Let me give you three reasons why we need others to walk with you. First of all, it's safer. It's just safer to walk with other people. My family and I were uh, in Baltimore in October. And one night, Jen said, hey, why don't my wife, Jennifer, why don't you go uh, to the store? I've got a little list here. And it was within walking distance because we didn't have a car. And so I said, yeah, No problem. And so i venture out, you know, like the big He-Man, walk all by myself. Well, on the way back, I got lost. And I'm walking down this dark alley all by myself. And I'm like a teenage schoolgirl. Oh, my gosh. You know, I am freaking out. Have you ever had that experience before where you're in an inner city and you're walking down an alley by yourself? Like all the guys are going, i I'd never experienced that before. God, give them the vision when they were a teenage girl. Right now. No, I'm joking. Um, But we've all had that. Or maybe you've walked out in the country before. And you're out on the countryside. You're walking down a country road. Only the moon is lighting things up. And you're freaking out like Freddy Krueger is around the corner. You know what I mean? We all know that. It's just safer, folks, to walk with other people. The second reason why is it's supportive you actually get some support when you walk with other people. What I mean by that is you have someone who says, we're not going to give up. When you're walking with other people, you get energy, and you actually are able to walk further. If you've ever done a walk or a run before, a 5K, 10K, uh, whatever, uh, what's really important is having someone with you as you go at further miles. Uh, The last two years, I've run the mini-marathon, and uh, I would get at the starting line, and we take off. And, uh, you know, I'm already ready to give up, you know? I mean, I'm 50 yards from the starting line. I'm done. Um, but I've always ran with somebody else. Like, in my mind, I'm like, this is, this is going to be painful, everything. But I've always ran with someone. And when I run with them, I can go so much further. And I only start feeling that at mile 11 now. But, you know, and hopefully the person's still with me that I'm running with. But if you have other people who are walking with you or they're running with you, you can go so much further. In fact, there's an African proverb that I found this week that says this. When you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. You see, folks, life is not a 50-yard dash. Life is a marathon. You want to make it to the end of your life. And the only way that you can make it to the end of your life, the way that God wants you to, is by having people around you who are walking with you, supporting you. Last Friday, I took my brother out to lunch, and uh, as we were driving uh, together, we looked up and we saw this. Now, why geese stay here in the weather that we've had, I don't know. I would have been, like, in Florida already, but... We saw these geese, and uh, if you know anything about geese, the real cool thing about them is they always fly in a V. Now, I wanted to figure out why they did that this week, and so this is why: it creates an uplift in the backdraft, and it makes it, easier, it makes it easier for them to fly further together and use less energy when they do this. And folks, the same is true in your life. You're going to get burnout. If you're just trying to be a solo geese out there doing your own thing all the time, you want to be able to do it in a meaningful, intimate relationship. Third thing, it's smarter. It's just smarter. It's just smarter to go through life with really close friends because you learn more when you're actually walking with someone. Proverbs 28, 26 says this. Only fools would trust in what they alone think. In other words, if I'm going through my life and I'm the only one thinking something and everyone else around me is saying, that's really not a good idea. That's dumb. Guess what? Who's wrong? Me. It's probably me. I'm wrong. Not everybody else, me. I can't tell you how many times I've been heading down the wrong direction in my life only to have someone who cared for me enough to actually challenge me and say, Chris, you're off the path. You've missed it. We've got to help you to get back on the path. Just this past week, I was uh, meeting with Chuck Mock, who's our uh, Celebrate Recovery ministry leader. And if you have a hurt, habit, or hang-up in your life, uh, celebrate recovery Thursdays at 7 o'clock. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to keep on going with hurts, habits, and hang-ups in your life when you could get healed and, and get taken care of. So Thursdays at 7. But Chuck and I uh, meet regularly to hold each other accountable. And uh, I was talking with him, and he, and he told me, he said, you did something uh, a few weeks ago that I really didn't think, You were acting like Christ. You weren't being very compassionate and kind. And he said that, and I didn't go, well, you know what? You're a jerk, too. No. You know what I did? I said, really? And he told me some more. I'm like, you're right. I was not being like Christ. Then, See, I wasn't defensive, though, because I had this deep, meaningful friendship, relationship, that I knew he was only thinking out for my best good. And you need someone in your life like that. Folks, you need to have someone because then you get smarter. In Genesis, uh, the first book of the Bible, God says this, uh, it is not good for man to be, what's it say? Alone. It's not good for man to be alone. I find this passage so so uh, interesting because all of chapter 1 He creates all these things, and he says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. good. Everything's good. And then he gets to the man, and he's alone. And when the man's alone, he says, not good. It's not good. Why? Because God hates loneliness. He hates it. And so the question becomes, what is the antidote? What is the solution for loneliness? Well, God created two different groups of people in your life to help this. One is your physical family, the family you were raised with, and the second one was your spiritual family. Now, your physical family, you may not like all of them, but that's who you got. And so you're stuck with them. But the only thing is, is that they're not going to last forever. People move away. People die. Things change. But your spiritual family... It's not going to end. It's going to go on forever and ever and ever. Trillions of years. So if you don't like the people that you're sitting around right now, guess what? You better get over it. Because they're going to be in heaven. And you've got to learn that your spiritual family is so important. And God said, I want you to be connected as a family. Scripture says this. Let us not get, give up the habit of meeting together. When I talk to people about Sunday mornings, it's a habit. Everybody has habits. Maybe you sleep in, maybe you're an early bird, but you have habits and Sunday morning is simply a habit of meeting together. It says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together, instead let us encourage one another. You get encouraged when you come here. Folks, you were created for community, But the thing is, is that on Sunday morning, it's great, but this is a crowd. How are you going to get to know anybody in a big crowd? I mean, we can't individually go around to everybody on Sunday morning and go, hey, uh, do you need some encouragement? We can't. We We wouldn't have enough time. It's important to be here on Sunday, but we can't encourage everyone individually. I mean... You can't even get to talk to everybody. This only happens, folks, when you get into a small group of people and you get connected with them. Now, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been lonely before in a crowd? Raise your hand if you've ever been lonely in a crowd. Okay, those that didn't raise their hands, what do we call them? Liars. Liars. You have all been in a crowd where you've been lonely. I've been at Lucas Oil Stadium, over 60,000. And because of stuff that was going on in my life, I felt totally alone. So, community is God's answer to loneliness. If you're lonely, get in community, get in a small group. The Bible says that I've got to have other people in my life when I'm walking through this life, I need other people to grow. I can't grow without other people. I cannot grow without people in my life. Why? Because life, folks, is not about achievements. It's about relationships. Let me say that again. Life is not about achievements. It's about relationships. I've never been with anyone at the end of their life when they're on their deathbed going, Hey, could you bring some trophies? And could someone stand up and just tell me about all the things that I've done and achieved? No, 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 no. They want relationships, and when people don't have it, folks, it's one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life. Peter, who knew maybe more about community than anyone else, he hung out with Jesus for three years. I mean, they did everything together, so he knew about community. He said this when he was talking to the church. He he told these church folks, he said, open your homes to each other without complaining. Now, what's your complaint? What's your excuse for not opening your home to some other people? Now, some people say, well, my home is dirty. Simple answer. Clean it up. If your house is dirty, clean it up. Invite some people over. Some people say, well, my, my house is not big enough. If you can have three or four or five or six people together, it's big enough. When we started the church, Jennifer and I lived in a small little ranch house and we had six people that met in our living room. Eventually, we had 20 people. And then every once in a while, someone would have a little B.O. and it stink. And then we decided we had to go somewhere different. But if your house can do 20 people, you're more than adequate. If it can do six, like my house is so small, we could, no, you can do six people. You can do it. Jesus said this then. He said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, some of you are like, Well, who are the people that I'd want to come? I mean, I don't really like some of my neighbors. Don't invite them. I'm not asking you to invite people you don't like. Invite people that you do like. Co-workers, neighbors, friends, family, There are some people in your life that you actually like. You like to have them come over sometimes. You just never do anything very meaningful. And now some of you might say, well, nobody's ever going to want to come to my house if I say, hey, we're going to have dinner, and then we're going to study the Bible together. Really? Nobody? Folks, everybody is longing for belonging. Belonging. Jennifer and I only knew our neighbors who we're still reaching out to for six months. We called them up one day and we said, Hey, uh, would you come over for dinner? And they came. That was it. They came over. We had uh, chicken fajitas. And right in the middle of it, Jennifer cuts her finger. And I'm like, ah, a little blood in here in the old fajitas. You know, the neighbors, we're blood brothers now, dude, you know. Remember when you were a kid, you'd cut your finger? Hey, come on, we're blood brothers now, you know? But they came. And you know what? Uh, Two weeks ago, we were out blowing snow together, me and my neighbor. He says, man, I'm really concerned about my wife and some of her health stuff. And right then, I said, man, let's pray. We're praying. He hasn't darkened the doors of these church yet. But you know what? Just opening your home, folks, takes relationships so much further. The second reason that you need other people in your life is this. I also need others to work with me. So I need them to walk with me, but secondly, I need them to work with me. Scripture tells us that God put us here on earth to do certain works. If some things are going to get done, if you don't do them, nobody else is because God is counting on you to fulfill the things that he has for you. Again, Paul says this, God made us to do good works which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Before you were even born, God knew what talents and abilities that you were going to have. He planned it all along. He chose you. He chose your parents. He knew when you were going to be born and uh, where you were going to be born. He's had a purpose for your life, folks, before you were ever an apple in your mom or dad's eyes. He knows you that intimately. And any time that you use your talents or your abilities to help somebody else, you know what that's called? It's called ministry, or it's called service. So all of us in this place, you are ministers, Now, I know some of you, what you're going to do with that, you're going to go to a restaurant today that gives a 10% discount and go, hey, I'm a minister of the Lord, you know, and you're going to get that. We're, We're all ministers, but we're not all pastors. There's a difference. But if you use your gifts, your talents for the glory of God to help somebody else out, you're a minister right where you're at to help others. And you do that by doing good works. Folks, life on earth is simply a practice for eternity. And God says that one of the things that's going to happen in heaven is that you're going to be serving God. And if you're going to be serving God, then you need to practice serving on this side on earth. He says, I want you to learn to serve. I want you to learn to do these good works. In March, we're going to Morning Star Breadbasket and we'll be serving the poor some of the least of these in Muncie. And you should sign up today. Why? Because you want to practice now what you're going to be doing in heaven. In heaven, everyone's going to work, folks. So if you have a bad work ethic, like you don't like to work, and uh, you you just don't want to work, you better change it, because when you get to heaven, everyone's going to have a job. Everyone's going to be working. Now, you're not going to be overloaded you're not going to be stressed out. You're not going to be overworked. But God will have a little part for everybody to do. And this is the kicker, folks. You'll actually enjoy it. I was thinking about it today. I don't know what my job's going to be. Maybe I'll just, like, hold people's coats when they walk into heaven. Hey, let me have your coat. You know, I don't know what it's going to be. But I want to learn how to serve on this side so that when I get there, I'm practiced up. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to go. Now, that's what happens in heaven, but what happens here on earth? We get worn out, we get exhausted, we get stressed out. Today, some of you are here today, and you are just exhausted. It took everything you could, maybe you got a phone call, maybe someone talked to you, but you came, but you're exhausted. Why? Because you're trying to do it all, and you're trying to do it all by yourself. That's why you get exhausted. You try to do it all, and you try to do it all by yourself. That's why we get worn out. And God never meant for us to go through this life walking alone or working alone. Folks, you need relationships with others, people who can work beside you, who help you get your job done, so that you're not working alone, but someone's beside you walking and working with you. And then you don't get worn out, and you don't get fatigued. God tells us in the Bible, in Ecclesiastes 4. Let's read this next one together. Such a great, great scripture. Let's read it together. Two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. You get more done by working together. I don't have to tell you this. You know that. Teamwork is always so much more fun than when you're out there individually just doing your own thing. It's a whole lot more fun, and it's less tiring. Now, this might be Mr. Obvious right now, but in case you didn't know, we've gotten a lot of snow these first 40 days of the year. In fact, I saw that it's 47 inches of snow that we've had for these 40 days. So like an inch a day, we've kind of averaged a little bit more than that. Now the reality is, a snowflake by itself is pretty frail. It's not a big deal at all. But you get a whole bunch of those snowflakes kind of melting and molding and coming together, they can stop traffic, can't they? Huh? Because that's what happened, uh, like I said earlier, on Bethel and Tillotson. It stopped traffic. Everything was stopped. Why? Because all of these little snowflakes came together And they landed on the ground, and all of a sudden, it just stopped everything. Now, folks, individually, I can't make a difference in this world. Individually, you can't make a difference in this world. But together, in this church, and in 2013, we had 924 people that walked through the doors at least once. 924. Folks, that's a lot of snowflakes, you know? I mean, like, that is a lot of snowflakes. That's a lot of snow. We can make a huge, significant difference in our world together if we do it together. Community is God's answer to fatigue. It's God's answer to fatigue. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 6. Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Now, you might ask, well, what's the community of faith? I don't, I've never heard that before. The community of faith is the church, the body of Christ. So I need to walk with people through life. I need to work with people through life. And the third thing is I need to watch out for people in my life. I need people to watch out for me in life. I need other people to watch out for me. What I'm talking about is that you need people around you who are going to defend you, who are going to stand up for you, who are going to think the best about you, who are going to protect you. People who will help you stay on track, who got your back, who will warn you when you go off the edge. Because the reality is, folks, we all have blind spots. Every single one of us have blind spots. The Bible says this in Philippians 2. Let's read this out loud together. Let's read it out loud. Look out for one another's interest and not just your own. <laughs> if there was ever a, a scripture verse that was more countercultural to us, it's this one. Because in America, that's not what we talk about. It's about me. Me, 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 I want to be me. Why aren't you talking about Me. It's all about me, my interests, my desires, my wants, my ambitions, my needs. What are you going to do for me? The rest of you forget you. I want to do it. What are you going to do for me? Forget everybody else. But that verse says, don't just look out for the interest of yourself, but look out for the interest of others. Any of you ever been in a neighborhood before where you've seen this sign before? This is a neighborhood watch sign. And when you see that sign, you know what that means? We watch out for each other. We've got each other's back. You mess with me, you mess with the whole neighborhood. My guess is when you go on vacation, you probably tell... A neighbor that you trust that, hey, uh, we're leaving a few days and uh, could you use your help. Now, you don't tell the crazy neighbor, you know, like this guy. <laughs> and you know every neighborhood has one crazy neighbor, don't you? you don't, even if you're a Christian, there's some crazy neighbors, you know what I mean? And you know who that is, so you don't tell them you're leaving. You don't. You pray that they would leave. No, I'm joking. But, yeah, I mean, you just, you know, you're just not so sure. And you don't tell the person who never says hi to you. You got one of those in your neighborhood? We used to have one in our neighborhood. I mean, he lived there for three years. He and his family. I'd go out and wave, you know, and I didn't get all too extroverted on him. You know, I didn't try to go up and hug him or anything, but just kind of wave, you know, and you know, get your paper, and nothing. Just head down, straight like that. And, um, but... Your neighbor that you like, the neighbor that you know, you probably tell them, hey, we're leaving for a few days. Could you get our mail? Could, uh, could you watch the house a little bit? I want to make sure my stuff is still here when we get back, so could you do that? Because we all want our stuff, right? You don't want your stuff messed up. So that's why you ask people to watch your stuff. Watch out for it. But my question this morning is not, is there anybody watching out for your stuff? My question this morning, is anybody watching out for your soul? Do you have anybody that cares about you enough and loves you enough and you've trusted them enough that they are walking with you to make sure that you are headed in the direction that God wants? Because your your soul, folks, is so much more important than your stuff. Your soul is so much more important than your stuff. Is there anybody that's helping you stay on track spiritually? They're encouraging you. They're letting you know that, hey, you can do it. We're with you. We're for you. We all have blind spots, folks. There are times in which we just can't see everything, and we need someone in our life. I was thinking about this week. Um, I've driven for 25 years. <laughs> and the thing is, I have never known when my tail lights are out. Seriously. I know, some of you are anal. You probably, once a month, check off, I better check all the lights on the car. I wait until somebody comes up to me and goes, Bunch, you're an idiot. Get your tail light fixed, man. You almost got hit, you know. But I never know that unless somebody else tells me. Hopefully, folks, if you're ever unzipped, somebody will tell you. 2013, I was up here, taught the entire service, entire celebration. I was unzipped the whole time. Nobody said anything until afterwards. So, hey, we're family here, okay? If you ever see me up here and I'm unzipped, just stand up and say, Chris, zip, zip it up. I'm, I'm good. Okay. Sorry about that. Anytime you talk about a zipper, people get a little bit uptight. You know what I mean? Um, and and friend, friends don't let friends have stuff in their teeth. You, you ever do that before? Like your own spouse won't even say anything. You go through your whole work day and you've got like something stuck all up in your teeth and then you come back and they go, oh yeah, I saw that this morning. What? <laughs> like a friend's going to tell you, hey, get that out. You know? And you know, the best, best friends of all, they'll go, get rid of that booger in your nose. <laughs> I mean, people go through their whole day, you know, and, Finally, someone's like, dude, get it out. You know, go up, out, whatever you need to do, get it out. Now, this is my point. We need to watch out for each other, folks, because sometimes there's stuff that you can't see. There's some stuff in your life as self-sufficient as you think you are. You can't see. The Bible says this, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. We should care about each other. We're family. We're God's family. I should defend you and you should defend me. I should help you grow spiritually and you should help me grow spiritually. And as your pastor, as someone who loves you, I want you to grow spiritually. Nothing uh, hurts me more then when I see people who stay stuck spiritually for months or years. They just never grow. They're pretty much the same that they were when they walked in the door the first time. I don't want that to be you. I want you to grow spiritually. How do you do that? Well, if you're just checking out this Jesus and God thing, the habit of being here on Sunday morning is essential. It's the way that you grow. You just come here. We're for you. We want to see good things happen in your life. God wants to prosper you and bless you. For others of you, you've been coming for a while, and your next step is baptism. You've never really taken that next step, but you, you need to. Some of you have been coming, you've accepted Christ, and now you need to take the plunge. And in two weeks, uh, we're going to have uh, a baptism class. I'm going to teach it. Lunch and child care are provided. There's no excuses of why you couldn't be able to be a part of that. Now, some of you, you're, uh, you've, you come to church or you've been baptized, and what you need to do is you need to take that next step that says, I'm in. Like, I'm in for what this dream of JAR 2, 2.0 is. I'm in, Chris. You can count on me. And that's what we call our partners. People who make a commitment to say, this is my church family, I want to be able to give my talents, resources, time to be able to do that. We're going to talk about vision and values next week. So next week after church, um, we're going to have a partner class. I'll be teaching it. Uh, It's only a couple hours. You'll be out of here by 2.30, and we're, we're going to have a great experience. And then there are some of you, you've done all those things, and you're doing wonderful stuff. But what I want to challenge you is don't just stay stuck. Why don't you give yourself away to one other person? That's what we call our mentor training. Uh, we, we started this within the last year. Someone who's mentoring another person. Because you can come and you can hear me for the rest of your life. And you'll grow some maybe, but you're not going to grow as much as having one person who's investing in your life. And some of you need to invest in somebody else. God's been so good to you. You need to step up and say, you know what? I want to invest in one other person. Right now, I have three guys in the church that I've been mentoring. I spend time with them. I invest in their life. And I'm not investing with them for the rest of their life. I'm investing them so that they can then invest in somebody else. That's how the church grew, folks. Jesus invested in 12, and those 12 invested in more. And now we have billions because people Didn't just say, it's about me, it's about somebody else. Folks, I don't know what your next step is, but take a step. Don't go this year spiritually not taking some steps. And just know, I'm here to cheer you on and other people are too. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Folks, God says that we have to watch out for each other. Typically, each Sunday, there is a guy, uh, he'll come up on the board, Mike Kaler. He usually sits right here. Mike Kaler has been a correctional officer at Pendleton Reformatory for 10 years. He's a lieutenant now. And a few years ago, you might have remembered that there were several incidents in churches where pastors were shot, they were killed, uh, people ran toward the stage. And Mike had seen a couple of these things. He said, hey, Chris, I'm going to sit right there, and if anyone tries to come up towards you, I'll take a bullet for you. I got your back. And uh, to be honest, I was like, Man, I never worry, you know, I mean, he's a big guy, I just, he'll just take whatever. The only problem is, when I was doing this illustration this week, he told me on Friday, he goes, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be there Sunday. So I'm thinking, what's going on with that, you know? And so then I thought, well, Chuck Mock, you know, would do it for me, but then I looked at Chuck's body, <laughs> and I figured I'd just do it on my own, you know? Um, But that's it. That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, honestly. And that's Chuck's real body. If you want to see it, I mean, it's there. Here's my question. Does anyone have your back? Have you trusted anyone? Have you invested anyone? Has anyone invested you in enough that they say spiritually, you know what, we're going to do this together. We are on track. It's amazing to me that people will get all kinds of partners to do physical exercise, which will go away sometime, folks. When you're 90, you're not doing all that stuff anymore. But if you have a spiritual person beside you that's helping you to grow, when you're 90 you can be the most impactful person there is. Billy Graham in his 90s, you think he's impacting people's lives today? Absolutely. You think his body's doing anything that he was doing when he was in his 40s? No. The impact is when you have someone who's walking beside you and you're growing together. Do you have anyone who's regularly doing that? If you don't, folks, just to be honest, I pity you. I really do. Because you have a, you got a bullseye on your back that Satan is say, saying, that's a loner. That's a loner and I can mess with them anytime I want. When the marriage isn't going so well, I can mix things up a little bit and I'll get them all derailed. Childcare's not going, I can do it. You got to have somebody. There's a picture of a guy, anybody know who this is? His name's Aaron Ralston. Ten years ago, he's an expert mountain climber. Expert, pro. And uh, he was climbing and he fell into a ravine and he got his arm into the ravine and he got stuck. And because he was alone, nobody was with him. He was done. There's nothing he could do on his own. So finally, He realized that if if I'm going to live, what I have to do is I have to cut my arm off out of this ravine. And he did it. He was a pro when it came to rock climbing, folks, but even pros need a buddy. Even pros need somebody who's there with them so that when they get stuck, there's someone that can help them out. Folks, community is God's answer to defeat. Community is God's answer to defeat. Let's read this next scripture out loud together. If one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. And folks, our small groups are based on this principle. So let me ask you, do you have anyone in your life who is looking out for you? Last thing, I need others to wait with me and weep with me. I need other people to wait with me and to weep with me. I need people to wait with me for the bad news. And I need people to weep with me when I get the bad news. When tragedies hit, folks, you don't want to be facing it alone. Folks, there are situations that I've seen as a pastor almost weekly where I'm like, "Ah, man, I can be there for you, but I sure wish you had a community of some other people, two or three other friends that just were, like, there. I mean, nobody should ever have to go to the hospital while a loved one is in a life-or-death surgery waiting by themselves. Nobody should do that. No woman should ever have to go waiting for lab report to come back because of a pregnancy problem. Nobody. Nobody should have to stand at the edge of an open grave alone. Nobody should ever have to spend the first night of their time away from their spouse because their spouse died alone. Nobody should ever have to spend the first night alone when their their wife has left them or walked out, when their husband has walked out. Now the fact is, folks, some of these things may happen to you. You're going to have loved ones that die. You're going to go through a tragedy. You're going to get bad health news. You're going to eventually get to a point where you are going to be in a dying process. And you need other people in your life. Only a fool would go through the rest of their life totally unprepared for something that is absolutely inevitable. As far as I know, the mortality rate is still 100%. The time is now to build a safety net of people around you, supportive friends who are for you, and you get in place now because at some point tragedy is going to happen and you don't know when, so why don't you prepare now? And you don't need everybody. You just need three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten, twelve people, someone in a group that you're meeting with so that when things happen, they know you. Peter understood this so well. That's why he said this to the Christian community. He said, you should be like one big, happy family, full of sympathy toward each other. When you're in a hospital, folks, you don't need all 300 of us to go visit you. That would be weird. But you want three or four... You wouldn't want all of us here. But you want three or four people that would come in and they're like, they're there for you. I've told you many times... I can't imagine what my life would have been like over these last few years if I had not had a small group of people around. Our small group has gone through so many things over this past year with families and marriages and kids and sickness and illness that if we weren't there together, I don't know how you make it. We weep with one another. We have one couple in our in our uh, small group, they both lost. She lost her her mom, and he lost her dad in two years. And and they'll tell me, they'll go, "You're my family." See, folks, that's what it means. First Corinthians twelve, if. One member suffers, all suffer together. I read a story this week that blew my mind. There's a a man who died in his house, in his bed, and no one discovered him for two years. Can you imagine the despair a person must feel? That you're dying and there's nobody. folks community is god's answer to despair. Romans 12:15 says be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weep. Just being there folks is huge. Someone gets a promotion in our small group. Uh, some windfall comes their way. We celebrate. We have a party. Someone loses something. They're hurting. We're there to cry, to weep with them. And this is what I found. When people are crying in front of you folks, the key is pray. Because this is what happens. When people are weeping and they're mourning, they don't need advice. They don't need someone to tell them how to fix it. They just need someone to be there. And every time I open my mouth in those moments, it's like you are the dumbest person in the world, Chris. You just listen where they're at. Let's read this next scripture together. It says, encourage each other and strengthen one another. You see, talk is cheap. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's why Jesus, when he looked at his followers, he said, you want to know how the rest of the world can know about me? He said this. He said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciple. The love we show to one another, folks, is what's going to have the greatest impact on Muncie, Delaware County, and all of East Central Indiana. That's where it happens. And when we look at the jar, I hope when people see this place, that what they see is that more than the music, more than the teachings, more than the videos, more than anything else, that what they'll see is this is a place where if you need love, you're going to be loved in this place. That the jar is a place where people will immediately say, you go there, you're going to be loved. That's where a person can stand up and a guy can say, you know what, I have a drug addiction. I'm struggling with drugs. And people are like, we love you anyways. We're going to love you. A woman can stand up and say, hey, my husband just left me and I got nothing. We're there for you. We're with you. This is a place where no perfect people are allowed, but everyone is loved. Whether you flubbed up, messed up, or screwed up in your life, you are loved in this place. And our small groups are small communities of love waiting to burst up. And people will say all the time, I don't have enough time. My schedule doesn't work that way. Well, our group and most of our groups meet twice a month. An hour to an hour and a half. So three hours. Okay, let's, let's say you have to count in your drive time. Four hours in an entire month. And the investment that you would make for this, the return, is enormous. Like, Wall Street would love to have that kind of return. You can't get it anywhere. So in your program today, you uh, had a card that looks like this. I've got one right here, and you can pull it out. It just says interested. You're not committing in blood. Maybe you were in a group at one time, and you got out, or you thought about it, and then you did something different, whatever. But this is a time for you to do it. And you check out, you know, hey, I need help with kids, or... You know, this is the day that I can do it, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you get connected into a group. Just don't go through this thing alone. So we're going to give you a moment just to fill that out. And when you're done, uh, we're going to close in a song here. And when you're done, there's a small groups table. You can just drop this off say, hey, I'm interested in this day, whatever that is. So let's give you a couple minutes if you want to fill this out, and uh, then we'll close. thinking about today that some of you are going to have some highs, some of you are going to have some lows this next year. You're going to have some ups, some downs, some storms are going to hit your life. And Jesus, and we're going to sing a song that talks about that, he will never let you go. He will always be with you. But the thing that I've found in my life is that every once in a while, I need Jesus with skin on it. You know, I need some people around me who are going to encourage me. And so I hope that you'll do that yourself. Get plugged in. Because God never lets go, but there can be a small group of people that never let go either. Let's stand.